This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way, Brady PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Here for the Crack with me, Emma Neal. How are you all? I hope you're all doing well. I just want to say a huge thank you. I literally, just before I pressed record, refreshed my Spotify Spotify podcasters thing. And I'm at number 26 in the charts, which is just the craziest thing ever. And if I, do, I oh my God, I'm going to cry. No, don't cry. <laughs> Compose yourself, woman. <laughs> oh right yes anyway thank you so much for all the support it's so crazy to see me uh number 26 in the uk charts i just i can't like words actually can't even describe how how thankful i am for all of you it's so crazy like anytime i meet anyone and that comes up to me and tells me that they listen to the podcast you're always the nicest people ever like i feel like we just got on straight away I literally couldn't ask for a nicer bunch of listeners. You're all the best and just thank you so, so much. For this week's episode, I thought I would do some travel stories. Now, there probably will be a mix of kind of like good and bad ones. When I say bad ones, I mean not like terrible, but you know, just bad things that happened when I was traveling. Ever since I put out a couple of podcasts literally at the very beginning. Oh, by the way, Here for the Cracks first birthday was when my last podcast went live, which I didn't even realise on the 24th of February. Yeah, so it's been a year of podcasting. How mad. But yeah, ever since I put out two, I think I did like one on solo travel and then one on going to Australia. Literally, they were like two of my first episodes. Ever since I did them, I've had so many requests to do more on travelling But it's kind of like hard because I feel like I covered so much in those podcasts. I don't really know what else you want me to talk about. I think I will do a travel Q&A, but yeah, I I thought it'd be a good one to try and think of some stories that um, I thought would be funny to share on the podcast. I don't know. I'm looking at the list here and some of them are so ridiculous. Like I don't know how appropriate some of them are or how much I want to out myself yeah don't let any of them put you off traveling as well I feel like as bad as some of them are they're also hilarious at the same time and it's just kind of it just comes with it you have to have your ups and downs when you're traveling okay so first story I have on my list here is about getting mugged now people tried to mug me a few times I remember twice walking up the kind of like strip in Kuta in Bali. If you've ever been to Bali you'll know where I'm talking about but if you do ever go to Bali do not go to Kuta. 
it's the most horrible place in the world. It is kind of fun for a night out, but you're literally asking to get mugged. There are people that stand around there waiting for drunk people to come out and just mug them. It's like their full-time jobs. So yeah, there were two occurrences in Kuta where people tried... I was wearing a bum bag. I always wore a bum bag at night because I was just very conscious of getting mugged. Um, To be honest, looking back on it, like I even think a bum bag is too easy for someone to get into. I think you should wear one of those little money pouches that kind that goes under your clothes and then also have a bum bag you know what I mean so like have your money pouch for your phone your passport and your money and then anything else that I was going to take out in the night out with me whether it be I don't know lip gloss or whatever you know that shit that it could just be kept in my bum bag and then if anyone was to mug you they're going to take your bum bag and then there's going to be nothing important in it Now that I think about it, to be honest though, one of those little money pouches probably wouldn't have been very practical because when you're on holidays, all you wear is wee tiny tops, so you just see where it is. But actually, I think you can get like a belt one that hides under your shorts. So yeah, I think if I I go travelling again, I would definitely get one of them. But yeah, so there was two separate times when, luckily both times I wasn't drunk. Like I'd had a few drinks, but I wasn't drunk. These guys would like walk. Do you know the way, right, if you're walking on a pavement and you're walking with people and then other people are walking with people, naturally you'll go to one side of the pavement and the other people will go to the other side of the pavement so you don't just bash into each other. On both of these times, this must just be like what they do, they tried to kind of like go through the middle of us to split us up. So it was both of them on either side of me and none of my none of the people that I was with. And then at the same time, they tried to go for my bum bag because I wasn't drunk and I was switched on I literally just grabbed it and kept walking so it was fine they didn't like really resist it I guess they're just kind of waiting for people to be too drunk and not even notice type of thing and then as soon as I resisted it they didn't even try and fight back luckily as well there was one of those times as well where they unzipped it and put their hand in it and were kind of like fumbling around for a phone um and luckily my bum bag did have like a back pocket type of thing that was like closest to me so they didn't get anything but yeah it was it just kind of shook me up a bit it was a little bit scary um I was kind of expecting it I'd been told or warned sorry so many times about how bad Kuta can be for getting mugged uh, also another huge thing they do is stealing people's phones when you're like taking videos on the back of a motorbike so say you're getting say you're on the back of uh, someone's moped whether that be a taxi or on the back of your friend driving and you've got your phone out and you're like videoing sunset or whatever it is there's so many people that will just snatch your phone out of your hand while you're doing that or even if you're just sitting there texting they'll just grab it so yeah just never get your phone out in the back of a bike when you're in Bali then the third occurrence of this and this is the main one this is the story I'm getting at was okay so we were in Changu at the time which is let's say about Okay, I just looked it up because I'm really bad with guessing distances, but it's about, sorry, it's not about, it is 13 kilometres from Kuta. So basically we were out at this bar in Changu called Old Man's, I'm pretty sure it's called, and say it closed at like two o'clock, but Changu's a little bit more chill. There's no like big clubs and stuff. It's more bars and surfing and 
yeah just it's just a lot more chill there's a lot of people that live in Changu you know that just work from their computer people from the UK and Australia and America and stuff yeah it's a bit more chill we finished drinking at the pub it closed at like two o'clock and obviously drunken us is like I really want some food right now but there was nowhere open in Changu because it's just not that type of place so we were like what if we just get a it's not an Uber what's it called their version of Uber is Grab so we were like why don't we just get on the back of a Grab because like, you can get like motorbike grabs or you can get car ones so we were like why don't we just get on the back of a motorbike and go to Kuta and try and find some food because we just knew there was bound to be like one of those type of fast food places open at that time so by the time we actually ordered the grab and then did the journey to Kuta, we're talking about three, half three by this point. Both pretty drunk, just looking for food, <laughs> as you do when you're drunk. So yeah, we find this burger place in Kuta, just off the main strip. We get our food and come back out and then we're walking up the lane to go back this is quite a quiet lane that we're on like there's not really there's not anything else open apart from this one burger shop and everywhere else is a bit dead the clubs have closed by this point there's no one else really on the streets there's a few grab drivers standing around and stuff like that but I didn't see any other tourists or anything like that so we're kind of just dandering back to the main strip area to get a grab back to Changu I am kind of looking at my phone I think I was looking to see how long would be to order a grab or what the situation was um or maybe I was trying to see if there was anywhere else open to get food because that place didn't have any vegan options or something I literally can't remember but for whatever reason I had kind of dropped back a bit and was looking at my phone while my ex was ahead eating his food like burger in one hand chips in the other hand carrying a milkshake kind of like juggling it all you know in his hands with no room to like do anything else if that makes sense So next thing, I hear all these guys coming up to us and they're like, my brother, my brother, and they're being really friendly, really nice. And like that's pretty normal. Most of the Balinese people are super, super friendly and would call you stuff like that. And normally I wouldn't think a huge amount of it, but at this time it would just, it seemed a bit sketchy. I didn't understand why they were coming up to him so not forcefully but just like they were very very much in his face and you know like if you were just gonna say hi to someone why wouldn't you just say hi to them from a distance it didn't make any sense as to why all these six people at once were coming up to him and kind of like crowding around him and putting their arms around him so straight away I put my phone back in my pocket and was just like looking at what was going on because I knew he wouldn't really clock what was going on just because of the way he was like carrying all his food and like was not defenseless but do you know what I mean he just didn't really have any hands to do anything at at that time and right enough within 10 seconds I see one of the guy's hands go straight into one pocket another guy's hands go straight into the other back pocket just trying to grab his phone and stuff he just dropped his food straight away, grabbed his phone and, and wallet, didn't let them get it. And next thing they were all like punching each other. I like literally sprinted up to them because I, I like watched it all unfold. So it was like so scary. So I saw them grab his phone and then him grab it back. And I like saw the guy that did it. So I ran up and I don't know what came over me. I am not an aggressive person whatsoever. 
and I this like was just not a good idea at all because in the situation like this you should never meet that with violence because it's only gonna mean worse for you so anyway I run up to him and I literally bitch slap the guy I've never seen a better impact bitch slap in my entire life though like when I say the contact was impeccable for a split second I was so proud of myself for making that much of a clean contact with the guy's face but obviously he wasn't gonna react well to it was he (laughs) he'd just been bitch slapped by a little 19 year old girl so it all just kicked off they were trying to whack me and whack him and yeah he got several punches to the face I think I got a punch to my arm or something I wasn't badly injured whatsoever and because I kind of just ran off before anything bad could happen but yeah there was a Kmart or something like that you know like a little convenience shop that was 24 7 across the road so we literally sprinted into there and took cover behind the doors it was like big glass doors so they could just see us peering out gradually more and more of them were gathering standing outside Kmart and we were just like oh my god we're literally cornered in here like what the fuck are we gonna do we can't leave and they were literally shouting abuse at us and it was like this huge like gang of people all just waiting there like threatening us telling us to come out and fight them and oh it was terrifying and at the same time we were like running to the shop assistants being like please can you help us like we don't know what to do we don't know who to ring is there any way like you can safely ring someone that can get us home we couldn't even book a grab because like half of them were grab drivers we asked them if they could ring the police because it wasn't like it wasn't going through or something on my phone so we asked them if they could ring the police the shop assistants and they were like no sorry we can't help you like they were just being the most unhelpful people ever and in such a terrifying situation like all you want is someone local who can like speak to the authorities and tell them what's happened yeah they just weren't giving us anything (laughs) so eventually I get the the right number to ring the police and it just keeps ringing and ringing and ringing and I was like what is going on and I said to the shop assistants like why are they not picking up or you know what's going on here and they were like oh it's it's five o'clock the police are sleeping and I was like what what do you mean the police are sleeping like is there does no one do night shifts here like what's the crack and they were literally just like yeah maybe try again at like eight in the morning and we were like uh sorry but that's four hours from now or whenever it was we are knackered and want to go to sleep without getting mauled by a gang outside and followed to our accommodation yeah just turned out they really couldn't help us the police were in fact sleeping <laughs> and there was literally nothing we could do about it they had an upstairs in the little Kmart that kind of looked down on the street but meant that they couldn't see us from outside so we figured if we just went up there and they couldn't see us for ages they'd kind of just lose interest and then eventually when it got light we could go home um, so that's what we did. We went upstairs and we waited until, yeah, about half seven, eight in the morning until the sun came up and they were all gone even when, oh my God, it was terrifying. When we when we did eventually book the grab to go home, we waited until the grab was literally parked right outside and we went downstairs and we literally, I 
sprinted out that door the fastest I've ever ran in my entire life jumped in the car and I was like to the driver go 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 as fast as you can go get us to Changu right now and thankfully we got home safe he was he had a black eye and like a big tennis ball lump on his cheek but I came out with absolutely nothing I think it's definitely safe to say that was like the scariest thing that happened to me you know like there was obvious there's other stories I'm gonna tell that are bad but are like funny bad but that was like actually terrifying (laughs) like the fact that the police couldn't even help us as well the people that you literally rely on for you know safety in that kind of situation and they just weren't even contactable they still weren't even contactable by the time we were getting the taxi back and then obviously by the time we got back there was no point at that stage but yeah we both came out of it with everything still on us still had our phones and wallets and everything they didn't get anything off us the stupid bastards moral of the story is don't mess with me or i'll bitch slap you apparently (laughs) okay this next story is kind of part good but also part bad (laughs) but also funny okay so basically i booked a hostel in i think it was in changu yeah we booked a hostel in changu and then we arrived there to check in the girl was like oh I'm really really sorry our booking system messed up online and we're actually full you two were like the last bookings so we don't have space for you and obviously in that situation you kind of I just thought they were going to apologize and that be it and we would just have to find our own accommodation because I mean it's not hard like you literally just go on hostelworld or booking.com or whatever it is and you'll find one straight away that's within walking distance you know like it's not obviously it, it was kind of their issue that the booking got messed up but it's not their issue to find us another another place to stay or if anything I just thought maybe they'd be like oh we have a sister hostel that has space for you do you know like that type of thing but the girl was so nice and she was like yeah so our the owner of the hostel is going to come and you can stay at his house if that's okay with you guys and we were kind of like uh bit weird like (laughs) we don't know this guy what's he like and she was like oh no it's his lovely like family house he's gonna pick you up and his wife can make you dinner and everything and she was just being like so so lovely and we were like right okay fuck it we'll do it and it was free and everything they weren't gonna charge us so normally I'd obviously be like do not sleep in a stranger's house but this situation was a bit different you know yeah I don't know you can tell you you could tell it was going to be fine he was like a wealthy owner of a few hostels in Changu well I mean at the time we didn't really realize how wealthy he was going to be we just thought that he owned the one hostel do you know but I think it turned out he owned a lot of hostels and like other guest houses and things so anyway this guy arrives this Balinese guy with his truck and we chuck our backpacks in the back and get in and he's so lovely and he brings us back to his house and he drives in and it's this ginormous mansion in the middle of Changu like I've never seen anything like it. It was humongous. And we were just like, oh my God, your house is so nice. Like, bear in mind at this point, I think I'd been traveling for a few months. So this was bougie compared to what I, where I'd been staying. And he was so friendly and accommodating. And he said, you know, if, if you're wanting to go out tonight, like, please don't let staying here stop you. Just you carry on with your plans and don't worry about waking us up or anything like that. 
So yeah, he was so lovely. We were going out that night, so we got what got back to the room and got ready and stuff. And his his wife came upstairs with little like traditional Balinese snacks for us to try that she cooked and everything. They were just the loveliest people ever. So we told them we were going out and they gave us instructions on how to get back into the house. It was all kind of done on like different codes and stuff. I don't think we needed any keys. I can't really remember. But um, yeah, they gave us instructions and stuff so that we were all good to go out and come back. So we went out for the night. We didn't, we had a motorbike rented at the time. So we didn't need to order any taxis or anything. We just used our own bike and went out. Came back and right so in Bali there's loads of wild dogs nine times out of ten they're really really friendly they'll come up to you and like look to be stroked and stuff on the beach yeah I mean I was careful enough to like stay away from them majority of the time I gave in to temptation when it was like cute little puppies but I you know I'd been warned about the dogs and how they can kind of snap on you and sometimes they can have rabies and stuff like that so I was always a bit wary of them, but nine times out of ten during the day they were fine. But at night they literally turned into wolves. They'd be like packs of wolves and it was terrifying. They would like howl and chase you and oh I hated it so so much. There'd be like gangs of them barking at each other. Do you know like one a gang of dogs on one side of the road and a gang of dogs on the other and they'd all be like barking and growling at each other and it, it was just terrifying if you cross like the wrong group of dogs at night. So we were driving back from wherever we were to this guy's house. All of a sudden this pack of dogs just decide it would be great crack to just start chasing us on the motorbike. We were like not far from where the house was so we couldn't just pull into the house because then the dogs would just be attacking us. So we had to well at this we didn't know what to do but yeah I on the back of the bike I was like right we can't pull into the house because they're just gonna stop with us and then we're screwed. So I was literally screaming and then it was probably egging them on more. And also because there was like a group of them, then as we would go further and further down the street, more dogs would join in and think that they're all like, I I don't know how to describe it, but they were all like on this mission to get us. Oh my God. I genuinely thought that we were going to get mauled by them. I'm not joking you. Like I couldn't see how we were going to lose them. Like I didn't, I, I was trying to think of all these outcomes in my head and I was just like, no, we're getting mauled by dogs. There's no other way out of this. So we keep doing loops and picking up speed and just trying to gradually distance ourselves from them. We also actually took our helmets off and I held them like down by our feet at either side because at one point they were well, they were really, really close and I thought I was going to have to whack them away using our helmets. Uh, luckily, I didn't have to do that, but yeah we basically just had to keep doing this loop round and round probably about I'd say six times until we distance ourselves far enough away from them to pull into the house and type in the code for the gate and get into the house without them then coming up behind us. So we get to the house type in the code to get past the gate and we're like frantically doing it obviously because we're just like we can still hear the dogs barking and running and um, so we're frantically getting in then we shut it and it's like this huge sigh of relief and then oh my god you literally couldn't ride it so the 
the people whose house we were staying at, they had like a guard dog. And obviously to this guard dog, we're just two strangers coming in at like three o'clock in the morning through the gate with a motorbike and he starts freaking out. He starts barking like mad at us and almost like, it was kind of like a German Shepherd type dog. It wasn't a German Shepherd, but it was like that type of dog. And he was kind of like, really really in our face you know like right up at our legs growling and barking and almost like snapping at us to try and get us to go away it was fucking terrifying and after the ordeal we just had it was like oh my god what is going on like where has this come from and we didn't know what to do and we were like fumbling around with the bike and our helmet and then we were like well if we run and act scared and like we are robbers then he probably will just go for us so we were trying to calm ourselves down and be like it's okay it's okay and yeah eventually we got in through the front door and I remember I think it was the wife walked out of their bedroom you could tell she was just really disorientated um and we'd woken her up or well the dog had woken her up and uh she kind of like poked her head out and was like oh sorry I didn't even think that like our dog would probably react like that to you they hadn't even warned us but yeah it was fine we got back and um got to bed and it was just a very dramatic night but (laughs) I can't believe we actually got chased by dogs like that. Okay, next story is the story of me learning how to drive a motorbike. So it didn't really cross my mind before going that it would have been a good idea to maybe get a lesson or two on a motorbike. I just didn't really think about it. I had watched loads of videos of, you know, travel bloggers and stuff and them driving them, but no one I mean yeah everyone that I talked to just said oh yeah you just hire a bike it's only three pounds a day and stuff you don't need any lessons you don't need a license I'm pretty like I could get pretty anxious and flustered about stuff like that I'm not very confident just jumping into driving something that is very alien to me when I actually think about it logistically it shouldn't be I don't know why I psych it up so much in my head because at the end of the day the leaning and everything is just like you do on a bicycle it's just a lot heavier I think the heaviness is what freaks me out the most because I find it really difficult to actually keep the bike up when I put my foot down do you know what I mean like to balance it um I think that's what scares me the most about them the leaning also just freaks me out as well I don't know why I overthink it so much but I do (laughs) Anyway, I had met so many people and they'd all just, you know, picked it up when they got there and there was no issue and I was like, oh my God, I have to do this. Come on, Emma, you're going to have to put your big girl pants on here and just grow up (laughs) and suck it up and learn how to drive a motorbike. So one day, this guy I'd made friends with in Copenhagen, which is a Thai island, said he would teach me because he had biked the whole of Vietnam and always rented bikes out himself. So I thought, okay, I'll take you up on this offer. Also, it was just in a good place to learn, I think. You want to be careful, you know, like I didn't, obviously didn't want to learn in somewhere like Bangkok with huge amounts of traffic and just terrifying roads. Copenhagen's a very, very quiet island. There's not a huge amount going on. It's known for the full moon parties and the half moon parties. 
backpackers just plan to go there when the parties are on and then they kind of leave again the only other thing it's really got going on is heaps of retreats I did a yoga retreat there you can also do like Muay Thai camps things like that yeah it's a it's a pretty quiet island I would say and I just thought it would be a good place to learn to drive a motorbike if I was going to learn anywhere. Okay, so first huge mistake, looking back on the situation, what you should actually do when you're learning to drive a motorbike is have your teacher on a motorbike and then you be on another one and have them teach you stuff from standing still, you know, the basics, how to actually work it and then have them either follow you or you follow them type of thing. So we didn't do that. He got in the back of the bike that I was driving and then he was able to like speak to me and tell me what to do in my ear. Anyone I told that to after said that was so stupid because it's so much more difficult to drive with someone on the back. Just because the weight is completely off, like it's so much heavier and as a first time driver, if you're trying to, you know, learn how to do the leaning and do corners and stuff it's a lot more difficult with someone on the back especially someone who's like a 90 kilogram boy do you know what I mean like that's obviously gonna be more difficult for me to drive anyway I thought it was going okay we were kind of out on roads that there was literally no one else on they were very wide it was very wide corners you know it was there was no kind of sharp windy turns or anything like that so it was all fine He said he was having to help me a lot with the leaning. But I mean, I think that, yeah, that's quite normal. Like the person on the back usually does kind of lean with the person on the front anyway. So I thought I I was literally so proud of myself. I was like, oh my God, I'm smashing it. I'm doing this with no issues whatsoever. Thought I like that was me. I could now rent my own bike for the rest of the time traveling. We kind of covered all the the back roads, you know, the big wide ones. And then eventually we kind of got into like the main town of the island. We stopped at the traffic light and it was, you know, like a junction at the traffic light. So we were stopped still and then waiting for the green to turn right. So it was my first, I'd done corners and I'd started from a stop, but obviously just started and gone straight. So this was my first time stopped at a junction and then starting to by just straight away turning and I freaked out and I like just pulled the whatever the accelerator and flipped off the bike and there was a car behind me there was yeah a few other bikes and stuff behind me luckily because you know we were just turning from a red light we weren't at like a type of speed where there could have been any bad collisions or anything like that but yeah literally just freaked out flew off the side of the bike the bike flipped on the ground um he came off the back of it completely fine because he was able to just kind of like jump off the back whereas I kind of like came down with the bike I was fine though I was just I had lots of cuts and bruises my hands were all bleeding and my my legs and stuff were all bleeding I had to go get them all cleaned and bandaged up and stuff because there was loads of stones and shit in them but I was fine I didn't have any serious injuries luckily it just really really shook me up and ever since then I'm not scared to go on the back of bikes I trust other people at being good drivers but I do not trust myself whatsoever I just don't I don't know if I have the capacity to drive a motorbike I don't want to say that because I don't want to limit myself. So when I was meant to be going to the Philippines in March 2020, I had planned to get 
motorbike lessons two weeks prior to going and then obviously that didn't happen so I didn't get the lessons but I've always said if I'm gonna go back I 100% want to get lessons again because I just don't want to have to rely on other people to have to drive me about and don't get me wrong it is easy enough like nine times out of ten you do just make friends in the hostel and there's no issue for you to get in the back of someone's bike but it just would be nice to not have to rely on that. I do think as well it was just an extremely unfair first attempt with someone on the back. I think I need to give myself another go with just me and an instructor behind me. Because I think if you do lessons in the UK, don't they do it where the driver drives behind you and they have like a mic and you have a little earpiece and they kind of keep you right. And I swear they do all the kind of manoeuvres and stuff at the start so that you've no issues with like starting and stopping and turning and shit like that. I don't know. I think... Once I'm actually, once I'm driving on a straight road, I'm fine. But yeah, it's all the, it's the starting and stopping with going from your, your legs, balancing the bike to then getting up again. I can't describe it, but like I just, my head just, oh, it, I just overthink it so, so much. And it's so annoying because everyone else just makes it look so easy. Do you know, like other girls my height and everything, like I can't even blame it on that because I've seen girls my height and weight doing it and making it look so easy. But it it does look way easier, I think, for like tall, strong boys that the bike is no weight to them. Do you know what I mean? It's literally like one of my, my goals in life. It's on my bucket list is to learn how to properly drive. Not even a big motorbike. I don't even mean that. I just mean like a little moped just to get a boy in Asia. Luckily, I wasn't involved in any other crashes. I did meet a lot of people who had like really, really bad ones. It is, you do have to be very careful. Always wear a helmet. There was never once that I didn't wear a helmet. There was one time actually on, I think it was in Indonesia. I'm pretty sure it was Nusa Lombongan that we rented a bike and the guy said he didn't have any helmets and I was like well if you don't have any helmets I don't want to rent your bike and it was just as simple as that yeah I just urge you to never go on a bike or even get on the back of one like don't even get on the back of a grab or like a a taxi or anything without one it's so important because as well you're literally when you're in those countries you're wearing next to no clothes you know you're wearing wee shorts and tops and even footwear you're just wearing sandals you have nothing to protect you if you fall off that and your head hits the ground so at least wear a helmet there were so many times I saw things happen people fall off bikes and if they didn't have a helmet the situation could have been so much worse we're talking a matter of life and death here like it is a serious thing and the last thing you want is to be stuck in a hospital in the middle of nowhere where no one else speaks English and you can't communicate properly with the doctors and you have to have surgery or something just because you weren't wearing a helmet. Next story is the story of how I got to see Sticky Fingers play live in Bali. Oh my god, I'm gonna get emotional talking about this. Sticky Fingers are my favourite band to this day. I've been obsessed with them. I remember my best friend Meg found them when we were like 17, something like that, and she just got us all into them. We all became obsessed with them. They were like the band of our, you know, when you just have like that playlist of your upper sixth summer and um, when we went into railing. It just they just remind me so much of that but also then when I went to Australia they're huge there obviously because they're an Australian band so my love for them has just like carried on and I'm still obsessed with them to this day 
This also actually happened in Bali. I feel, why is every story I'm telling happening in Bali? It must have been a very eventful place. Anyway, I remember it was a few days before they were playing and I had no idea they were playing because they were just doing like a mini tour of Australia and then they just added one date to Bali. But obviously because it was like whenever the tickets would have been released would have been ages and ages before that and I wouldn't have known at that point that I was going to be in Bali then so it wouldn't have even crossed my mind to get tickets but anyway it was like two days before they were playing and you know when Facebook events shows you things that are happening near where you are I remember so clearly lying in bed and flicking through events to see if there was anything kind of going on in Bali and just seeing that Sticky Fingers were playing and my mouth literally dropped. I was like, what the fuck? How did I not know about this? I clicked on it straight away and obviously it sold out and I was absolutely raging. I put it on my story. I don't even know what I thought I was going to get from putting it on my story, like as if anyone I knew would have random tickets to a, a gig in Bali. Obviously no one got back to me. But I did see in the description that they did have a limited amount of tickets on the door. So I just thought, right, fine, I'll let you go down as many hours as it takes to go down before and queue for tickets because I'm not missing this. Like, I'm not being in in the same place at the same time as Sticky Fingers and not seeing them. They were playing in a bar in Changu called Old Man's. I think I mentioned Old Man's already in the podcast, I swear. Yeah, they were playing there. It was very near where I was staying. And I didn't really know what time I was going to have to go and queue at to get the tickets because it's hard to gauge with something like that, you know? Like, I didn't know how many people would be in Bali at that time that would want to go see them. I was on the beach earlier on in the day and Old Man's is, like, on the beach, so it's all kind of on the same strip as where I was. So I just kind of dandered past it and there was no queue the people were still you know setting up the stage and stuff it didn't really look like anything was happening so I was kind of like okay I don't need to stress like I literally thought I was gonna have to queue from 12 o'clock or something but no I can chill out for a bit I can go back and get ready and sort myself out so I come back at five o'clock and I'm not joking you the queue is hundreds and hundreds of people long and I knew straight away that all these people were queuing to get tickets because at the end of the day if you already had a ticket for a concert you wouldn't queue that long in advance because there'd be a separate queue for ticket holders that could just walk straight in. Straight away I was like oh god I fucked it why did I not come earlier I was so annoyed at myself but I joined the queue and I was on my own I was just chatting to people that were in front and behind me I just stuck it out it was sunny so it was fine I was just so worried that I wasn't gonna the cutoff point would be before me in the queue so literally hours pass everyone's getting so bored you know they'd let let's say they'd let like a hundred people in it was just very very slow they weren't wanting to like rush everyone in at once it got to a point where I got so hungry because I was just standing there in the sun with like no water or anything got so hungry and thirsty I had had to be like to the people in front of me please can you let me back in in here if I just nip to the shop and quickly get something to eat and drink and they were like yeah yeah of course Oh, actually, sorry, I've missed a key point in this. So they let loads of people in, gave loads of people tickets on the door. And then literally, I'm going to say about 25 people in front of me, they stopped the queue and said that they weren't letting any more people in until eight o'clock. 
So that was all that they were letting in for the support, which was two hours away from where we were at this point. So bear in mind, I'd already been queuing for hours and then they were telling us that we were going to now have to sit there for another two hours just so they could then let us in. Like, it didn't make any sense. It was like, why would you not just let us in right now? I think it was so that they could keep the atmosphere in the bar, like, more so they could keep it more of a bar you know like more spread out people were able to walk around to get drinks and kind of talk to their friends and then you know once sticky fingers were on it would be a more like crowded packed concert type of thing so it was at that point when the security guard like shouted out that no one no one else was getting in until 8 p.m that i was like oh fuck it right i need food and that's when i went off to get food no i didn't go far i went to this little i actually remember i remember this so clearly i went to this little mexican restaurant that was literally on the same street that we were standing on queuing it was just a little bit further back in the queue and it was just like a little mexican fast food type of restaurant and i went in and got a burrito and a drink and I took it outside and I sat just on their little table and chairs out the front. And I was just sat on my own eating my burrito. And these other people are at the table next to me and they're eating away from the same restaurant. And I end up chatting to them. They're these people from New Zealand and they were lovely. I was asking them if they were going to see Sticky Fingers as well. And I was like, are you guys queuing too? Like I just assumed they were doing what I was doing and had left the queue to go get food. And they were like, oh, no, no, we've already got tickets. We're just grabbing some food before we head in. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I wish I was you right now. And they were like, oh, why do you not have tickets? And I was like, no, I've been queuing here for hours. And they're saying no one else is getting in until eight o'clock or whatever it was. So I'm going to, I'm just getting food and going back to my place in the queue to wait till then. And they were like, oh, we've got two spare tickets if you want to come in with us. My, I'm not joking you, my heart literally stopped. I was like, no, you fucking don't. Like, of all people I could have met and of all times I could have gone to get food throughout these hours and I happened to start talking to you who has two spare tickets. My, I was actually, I can't tell you how shook I was. I was like, why on earth do you just have two spare tickets? And they were like, oh, because we're from New Zealand and like the tickets were so expensive for when, for where they were playing back home and sold out so quickly. So we just bought heaps of the ones for here, hoping that like everyone would be able to go and get the time off work. But in the end, like not everyone could. So we just have a few spare. And they were like, yeah, just come in with us. Like you don't even need to pay for them. Just buy me a drink or whatever. I was literally like, are you fucking serious? Like, I, I could not believe it. I was, oh, I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. I couldn't have thanked them enough times. And I just went in with them and it was the best night of my entire life. I'm not joking you. Tears were just like streaming from my eyes the whole night hearing them live. It was incredible. And it, it couldn't have been in a better venue. Like a little beach bar in Bali looking out onto the sea the smallest crowd ever like I, I'm, I'm very very bad at guessing with like numbers of people I just have no sense of how big a crowd is but it was a small it was a small enough bar like it was not a big crowd it was a very intimate venue and yeah honestly just one of the most treasured nights of my life I will never ever forget it and I will be forever grateful to those Kiwi people that give me a free ticket to go and see them after queuing for hours and hours in the sun uh, waiting to get in. Okay guys I think I'm gonna call it a day there. I actually have heaps more stories to tell. I didn't get into the ones where I really out myself. <laughs> I'm scared to tell them. Yeah I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
As always, thank you so, so much for all your love and support in the podcast. I can't believe we're at number 26 in the UK charts. It's actually blowing my mind. But yeah, thank you so, so much. I love you all and I'll speak to you in the next episode. Bye.